0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating, and I'm joined this morning by the mirrors Alex Richards and Colin Miller as we look back on what was... Kind of quite a surprising Premier League weekend, I think, in the end. Maybe not so much the result. We were expecting Liverpool to probably go out there and beat Man United, But definitely the scoreline, I think, was was something very few would have predicted. Alex, I'm going to come to you first because we were on the show together on Friday morning and we were previewing this game. We were speaking about it with uh, with my colleague Mark Jones. And all three of us, we said we were expecting a Liverpool win, 2-1, 3-1. But as I said at the top of the show, I don't think anyone could have quite expected what happened yesterday at Old Trafford. Liverpool magnificent, Man United, equally poor. Just, you know, what were you thinking when you were watching probably that fourth goal really going before half-time? Obviously, the fifth goal, you know, really kind of rubbed salt into the wounds. But for Man United to be 4-0 down at home to any team, let alone one of their fiercest rivals, it was astonishing.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, what I was thinking, Ned, was I, I'm really glad that I said that Liverpool will make a statement victory and take advantage of Man United's shortcomings on Friday. It uh, made me sound really prophetic, um, but no, this was this was borderline ridiculous. I mean, the warning signs were there. Let's, let's be frank; the warning signs were there about United and Atalanta, and that first half performance there just kind of exacerbated what everybody already knew. Um, the feeling was that United wouldn't turn up and, and play that way again from the start, and yet yeah, they, they just did. Um, I mean, they're they're I've used, I sound like a broken record because I keep calling them a broken team. But that's just exactly what they are. You've got some players going to press, some players not, some players playing a high line, some players keep dropping back. There's just no real collective cohesion in knowing what they're attempting to do. Um, and, And as Paul Scholes told everybody on BT Sport and as Gary Neville has repeated to everybody, as soon as they play a proper team, they were going to get done and that's exactly what happened here um it was it, it, it was that embarrassing that by the 55th minute Liverpool are playing keep ball and playing time. um this was a 5-0 win that if if Liverpool had really wanted to especially after Paul Pogba's red card they could have racked up the score and gone for records um United should be thankful that they didn't Ugh, I, I don't I don't really know what more there is to say about about United on on, on how poor they were um and and you have to credit Liverpool for just taking full advantage of it, and the ruthlessness with which in that first half they just time and again carved through them. Um, we've said how good this Liverpool team are, and yet even on a day when they choose to rest Sadio Mane, when Fabinho is is out injured, when when they decide to give Ibrahim Konate a start instead of John Matti, they were just outstanding. And, and United can't really have any excuses of oh we were missing key players or anything like that because the only man out was Rafael Varane. Um, so, you know, Liverpool, huge statement from them, absolutely fantastic performance, Man United must do better.
0: Colin, I knew as soon as we'd come live this morning that if I looked across the comments section, I would see a lot of comments suggesting that, that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer does have to leave Man United from a lot of, obviously, Man United fans. You know, they're obviously disappointed and upset with, with not just the result, but... But the performances and the way that things have been going over the past few weeks—I mean, there were question marks over his future going into the game anyway. But now, after such a, a performance and such a result against, you know, as I said before, one of their fiercest rivals, is this likely to be the end of the road for N'Golo Kanté at Manchester United?
2: It's so difficult to to see to see how you can come back from 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 such a. Not just the result, not just the performance, but but everything that it encompassed. Just the, it was a humiliation. It, it could not possibly have been any worse. Well, well, it could have been had, had Liverpool have, have kept their their foot in the pedal for the final thirty minutes, which which, which thankfully for United they they decided to, to ease off a little bit. But you no, know, it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to know what to say for Solskjaer at this point because I think. I mean, I think I, I've been generally quite supportive of what Solskjaer has done at United. I think he has done a good job. He inherited a very difficult situation. He oversaw quite a significant uh, change in the playing squad that was necessary. He cut cut back on the wage bill. He he Im- implemented somewhat of a style of play that hadn't been there before. He's gotten some pretty, pretty impressive victories across his time at United. He's improved their league finishes year on year. Um, but you kind of think this was the season that they had to push on from that, that they had to establish themselves as, as a proper challenger, as to, to be on a level that, that Thomas Tuchel has elevated Chelsea to within the space of nine months to be on a level that obviously Liverpool and Man City have been at for several years. And not only has that not happened, but there has been a huge regression from last year, a huge regression. And I know that a lot of people will say, yeah, but United weren't challenging before this. So Scott hasn't shown that he could do that. And that's, that's true. But United kept a clean sheet at Anfield last year. They kept a clean sheet at Stamford bridge. They kept a clean sheet at Man City. They have had a game plan in these matches that has generally been pretty successful in these, in these big four, big five games. But that kind of has all gone out the window. Part of that is to do with Cristiano Ronaldo's arrival. And the fact that he's now playing as a central striker, and that has just it's offset the, the 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 balance of the press or the attempted press, should I say, in the final third so much it has left the midfield exposed. And by then that has left has left the defence exposed as well. And you saw that again and again, not just not just on Sunday, but before that with Liverpool, in terms of just cutting through, just cutting through the attack, cutting through the defence again and again. So it yeah, it's really difficult to know how United can bounce back from that. And as I said, it was a humiliation. I just don't, I just don't know how I, you can come back from such a such a heavy defeat. And and as well, with United's players losing their heads so much. I mean, obviously, Pogba got sent off for for a disgraceful tackle. Um, it it, it 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 was really really poor. But then Harry Maguire as well could have seen red. Cristiano Ronaldo could have seen red. It was just a really 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 poor performance. A really. Oh, unspeakably bad day for United and as I said I can't see them bouncing back from this
0: yeah definitely a lack of discipline as well as a, a lack of tactical nails yesterday from United Alex just continuing on the theme of, of Man United and that hot seat uh, at Old Trafford as well as comments saying about Ronaldo um, sorry, not Ronaldo, Oli de Sosa, sorry, I should say. It could um, be Ronaldo. Yeah, so. He could be the next manager. He could well be the next manager. Um, but a lot of people in the comment section are touting Antonio Conte as as a manager. I mean, he definitely bring a lot more discipline to that squad, at least anyway. Um, send a rocket up somewhere where the sun doesn't shine as well, I think. But with regards to who they need as their next manager, you look at some of the players that they kind of brought in in the summer, in Durant and Ronaldo, and I kind of wonder whether or not, maybe where this squad is at this moment in time, maybe... The original Zinedine Sudan when he first took the job at Real Madrid, not not so much the other one when he came back and he showed to be himself very tactically very astute. But definitely during that first thing, I thought he was something of maybe a facilitator, allowing these players to kind of, you know, kind of feel quite happy and free and, and go out and play the way that he did. And I wonder maybe if that's perhaps what this man United squad need rather than possibly the tough laugh that they will get from Antonio Conte.
1: Well, is that not what they've currently got with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? A facilitator who kind of lets them... Um... Express themselves and and get on with it. I think Colin made a good point in that Sosha has overall done a good job. But what we're going to look back at on his reign when eventually it does come to an end is is kind of a we can call it pre and post Cristiano. I think you know, in in the couple of years after Mourinho, he has he has improved that side, he has taken them to European finals, numerous semi-finals, improved league season year on year. And we've seen really smart tactical performances from them in big games notably away from home um but this season was the one where they had to go from being a team who improves and and who can have these big performances on the odd occasion to one who ruthlessly wins every week and 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 can go from being a good counter-attacking side to one that attacks and goes all out for a league title and and he, he's falling short and the team are falling short um, now, for all intents and purposes, it does seem as though United's board are continuing to back him. This performance may well change those opinions, or may well kick them into gear with regards looking at potential replacement because they've got big games coming up against Spurs and Man City as well. Um, if they do replace Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know you, you bring up who, who do they bring in Zinedine Zidane, outstanding job at Real Madrid the first time does facilitate players, gets the best out of experienced players. Obviously, Ronaldo and Rafa Varana, two players we have worked with him before. Um, so you could see Zidane possibly, if he wanted to, stepping in and, and being able to set his mark. But does this United team need somebody who is more like Antonio Conte, as you say, somebody who's a ruthless tactician, who doesn't suffer fools gladly, who builds a foundation of a team, will sort out that defence? But he may well not get along with a lot of star players who are highly, highly paid by that football club. And as we know about this football club, as we know about Edward Ed Wood, as we know about the Glazers and the board there, the football kind of isn't really the big thing for them all. You know, let's be quite honest about that. The social media impressions, the money that club makes, the merchandising and so on and so forth, that's all pretty important to them and having these big name players helps with that it's not necessarily helping with the on-field performance right now so I wonder if Antonio Conte is somebody that would just too much rock the boat um one name who was repeatedly linked with them before uh Marisha Pochettino he's obviously at PSG now but I do wonder how how long that experiment will continue. Um Antonio, Antonio say Thomas Tuchel has spoken about the difference in his finding with being a head coach at Chelsea as opposed to trying to be the Prime Minister at Barcelona at Paris Saint-Germain and having to deal with the entourages of players and having to deal with those egos. So I just wonder whether Mauricio Pochettino, if United waited until perhaps the end of the season, would he then be available and perhaps be more amiable to to moving back to the Premier League? Um I think the simple fact of the matter is Olay is in this job until there is a definitive better replacement that they can find. And I'm not sure right now there is one that would look at that United job and think, I'll have a bit of that. Um, and so I think I think it's gonna come down to Ola and it's gonna come down to his players and they need to be the ones to turn this around. There is no doubt the pressure is rising on him. There is no doubt some United fans are now starting to turn on him. And there is no doubt that he's going to continue to fill back pages one way or the other. It's either going to be Olay bounces back once again or it's going to be Ole who's on the road to ruin.
0: Colin, I, th- I feel we should probably talk about Liverpool at this point as well. I mean, they were the side that did obviously come away with all three points yesterday. Um, I did have a note down on here um, and this was before listening to Jürgen Klopp's press conferences this morning about, about talking, trying to talk about Salah Tachin. I want to come away from that because I want to talk maybe more about, um, and it probably highlights the difference of where Liverpool are compared to where Man United are at the minute. Um, Naby Keita got the route off to to find fashion yesterday, obviously grabbing, grabbing the early goal for Liverpool to put them ahead. But for him to come back into the side and play as well as he did yesterday, it shows how much respect Klopp has for his squad and how much they had of respect to him as well in that he played poorly on on tuesday night against atletico madrid was at fault for one if not both of atletico's goals um and then he comes back into the side after being taken off at halftime and delivers that kind of performance and and it kind of you know as i said there it highlights the difference of where this man united squad who lost their heads and you know as we said already could have had three or four players sent off yesterday if not you know only just for paul pogba Compared to Liverpool, where they're all fighting for their manager and they all want to take them to to that, you know, the highest summits that they can
2: go to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Naby Keita is a bit of a a bit of a strange player almost at Liverpool because he arrived amid amid such hype a few years ago, and he's never really established himself in in that starting eleven. And but well, whenever you've got players like Jordan Henderson and and, and Fabinho who who've been so consistent in those positions, and obviously Georginio Wijnaldum, who left in in the summer as well and there was so much talk about whether liverpool wouldn't in, would invest in that position and obviously curtis jones comes back in and he gets his injury and then fabinho was like yesterday so, so it was a big chance for navi to step up and i mean he was he was superb he what he i think he almost adds a little bit of chaos in the in the sort of midfield structure that is usually just very kind of low key but but keeps everything moving it keeps everything going whereas Keita, he adds a little bit more than that. And that, that that can at times be a risk as we saw at Atletico Madrid, albeit he he did score a a really, really good goal in that match, but yeah, he, he he was almost a bit of a liability there, but whenever, whenever the the, the change of of shape may be in, in terms of the midfield and just giving him a little bit more freedom to move forward and, I, I was really, really impressed by how he did. And I know we've, we've mentioned it already, but Liverpool did have a couple of absentees yesterday. They didn't have Fabinho. They didn't have Joel Matip in the center of defense. and They didn't have Sadio Mane starting an attack either. You, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have known that any of those players were unavailable, and I suppose that that goes to show just that in terms of in terms of what you just said now that these these are players who who believe in in their manager, they believe in the system, and they're totally together in what they're doing. Every single player in that pitch knows their role uh, to a T, and you can contrast that quite markedly to their opponents, obviously. But you know you have to give credit credit where it's due to Liverpool, and I think. Actually, within that sort of first 30 to 40 minutes, it was a little bit almost it feels strange to say this because Liverpool obviously took such a command and lead. But there was there was times when the when their performance was a bit shaky. We know that they've gone the old Trafford before when they've been expected to win and, and maybe haven't haven't turned up. But it was it was a case of, you know, United United are that sort of a team that they offer such a huge threat going forwards, regardless of what's going on um at at the back. But at the same time, Liverpool were just, just had far too much of them. And I think Kier's energy in midfield was, was a huge part of yesterday's win. And you know, everybody's gonna talk about Mo Salah and, and and rightly so, but the performance was about much more than just that. And as a just just as a team and as a unit, Liverpool are are, are just so good at the minute. And as I said, yesterday was a was a statement victory.
0: Alex, they're away from again, this was something that we touched on on Friday show ahead of the game, um, but their away scoring record this season is just insane, isn't it? You know, it's now that <laughs> they've kept up that record of scoring three plus goals in every away game in all competitions so far this season. And, you know, as we said there, Mane was rested, they bring in Jota and they're still as potent going forward. And this, that could be something that could be crucial come the end of the season when it looks like we've already got that three-horse title race.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, and they look absolutely bang back at it, don't they? Yeah, um- if you remember back to when they were having real struggles at the start of the year, I think they went something like 10 hours without scoring at one point. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of people who were looking at it. And Diego Jotter had started last season well. Then he got injured and it was kind of like, has he come and usurped Roberto Firmino? And now you're going to see the end of Firmino at Anfield. Firmino's come, come roaring back this season. Um, he wasn't on the score sheet here, um, but... His overall performance was, was remarkable. Once again, just linking play, causing absolute havoc in that United defence, finding the little spaces between midfield and, and where Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof didn't want to follow him. Um, and, and then you've got Salah and Mane and Jota all, all banging in goals for fun right now. The front three, whoever plays, is, is tearing opponents apart and, and they're being backed up. And I think, I think it was Pep Lindus said this, they are being backed up because the defence is now back where it was. And you've got Virgil van Dijk who allows the entire side to push up that little bit higher. It allows, it allows your fullbacks to go that little bit earlier. It allows your midfield to press that little bit quicker and to be that little bit closer. The whole team is closer together now. They're not spread apart. And so it means that they are just relentlessly doing to teams like what they did to United yesterday. And, and United couldn't live with them. Um, let's be frank, they're not going to score three plus goals in every single away game this season. If they do, then we're probably going to be saluting the champions. Um, but they're, they're a lesson to every, every opponent and these performances are a warning to everybody that they come up against. If you're not at your best against Liverpool home or, or away or if you're playing on Mars or, or wherever, they're going to absolutely tear into you and absolutely do you right now because they're looking as good as they did in that title-winning season and in that previous year when they hit 98 points and were only just usurped by Man City. Um, they're a remarkable, fascinating team and long may it continue these kind of performances from them because what we want is them, Chelsea, Man City to have this really tight, great title race and certainly that seems the way it's going and they're playing their part right now.
0: Colin, sticking with this idea of teams dismantling or being dismantled by uh, Liverpool, Chelsea rampant in their victory over Norwich at the weekend, Man City too, especially in that first half against Norwich uh, against Brighton. Sorry, just picking them off at ease and and all three goals on, on the break in that game. These three teams that are breaking away at the top of the title. It looks like you know no one else is going to break into that bubble at the minute, and it is going to be between these three for the title race. But they seem to have already, you know, we're, we're not even through October yet, but they seem to have created this fear factor around them this season. I mean, Chelsea especially, you know, we were speaking there about the fact that that they've all, uh, without strikers before the start of the season and now, uh, sorry, before the start of the weekend, um, and, and now obviously going there and, and scoring seven against Norwich is a tremendous effort. And, and likewise with City as well, without playing with a striker, they're, they're finding ways to get the goals that they need.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean to score seven goals without a, a recognised front front man and the pitch is 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 remarkable. And Mason Mount obviously coming in and scoring a hat trick and he hadn't scored a scored a goal in I think it was over twenty matches for for club and country. So it was really impressive uh from from a Chelsea point of view. And again, like you always see them as favourites for a home game against Norwich. But that being said, you know, they, they were ruthless from the start. They got their goals early on. Obviously, Hudson Adoy, another player who came back into the team, got himself on the score sheet. So that's good for the squad. It's good, it's good for all those players who've sort of been in and out of the team or who are pushing to sort of break into the first first sort of starting eleven. You know, that's a, it's a big boost for them. So uh, yeah, it's hard to know how much to read in the in the game against Norwich because Norwich have just been in such dreadful, dreadful form. And I think we might have spoken about it before, but I mean, this is this is the second time they've come up within the space of three years and they just don't look ready for the Premier League at all. But look, for, from a Chelsea point of view, all you can really do is be two in front, front of you and I think for Thomas Tuchel to get those players into the team and to get their confidence up, that can only bode well for the weeks going forward.
0: Alex, um, looking at the great pretenders that might exist outside uh, of, of the top three this season, uh, West Ham up to fourth with a win over Spurs. I know, I know we probably disagreed about this on Friday's show, but with Man City, sorry, Man United looking in a bit of disarray at the minute and, and kind of you know all over the place and whether or not they might change their manager and if they were to bring someone in, then they probably do end up getting into fourth place if it is someone different, maybe if it is Conte. But at the minute, West Ham have that fourth place. Is there enough in this squad to to hold on until the end of the season? I mean, it's a remarkable job that David Moyes has done since returning to West Ham anyway, but taking him into the Champions League would
1: would just be a completely different level altogether. certainly would, and I I don't think we can praise David Moyes for a job he's done um, enough. They're a really good watch, West Ham. I I really enjoy watching them now, really entertaining. They've got some really tidy footballers, um, in thinking of Ben Rama, Pablo Fornells, who who really are creative and, and who... David Moyes has really settled into a, a structure of a team that, you know, we see them beat Tottenham one nil here and Tottenham aren't having a shot, not a shot on target. They're not having a shot after, after 43 minutes. That's a ridiculous stat where you're concerned if you're a Spurs fan, but from, from a West Ham perspective, that shows that they're getting their balance spot on. Um, and with Mikhail Antonio up front, they're troubling teams. Um, the worry is going to be about the squad and about they haven't really got a, a like for like replacement for Antonio if anything were to happen to him and their European commitments. But three wins in the last four, um, 16 goals scored in the Premier League this season, they are balancing those commitments well at the moment. I think what we would like to see is they've got three more European games before the Christmas period. I think early December is when the last one will be. Can And they've also got the Carabao Cup. Can we get them to December? in this kind of position, in this, in this fourth place, kind of leading the pack again. And then they will have two or three months without European football. Okay, the FA Cup will kick in and the Carabao Cup, they may still be in it. But can they still be in this position, still be absolutely at the forefront of a push? And then we can go from there with them. Because as you say, they're playing, they're really well worked out with it now. And, and David Moyes has got a solid defence. He's got a team that know their jobs, kind of the antithesis of United a team who don't know their jobs but are full of star names. This West Ham side isn't really full of star names. It's got some high-quality players, but there's no star names there and they all work for one another and they all know their jobs. They are leading that pack. And as you say, if United keep falling like this, then it will open the door for someone. And. Looking at it, why not West
2: Ham? I think, I think just quickly. An important point in West Ham's European campaign is that they they've made such a strong start in that, that they could potentially be in a position where, for the for at least the final maybe two or even three games, they can begin to rest players. They begin to sort of not 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 take their eye off it completely. You think like well, we're going we're going to win this group, um, and we can afford to rotate a little bit. And if they do win that group as well, they won't have to play a round of thirty two much in the Europa League due to the fact that they will be group winners and that's changed this year. So that, that's a big thing as well. I mean, you just want to reduce their schedule because I think, I think that's as Alex said, that's that's the key sort of question mark hanging over this team because they don't have the squad there and they just don't want to have wear and tear coming in for the second half of the season. So it's how they manage the next month or two could be crucial. Also,
1: I've just checked that they've got Man City in the Carabao Cup. So you're probably going to say that's going to end. Oh, which, which could be a blessing in disguise for them.
0: No, absolutely. But then you wonder whether or not, you know, I know, I know obviously Man City take it quite seriously in the Carabao Cup, but you know, you kind of almost feel sorry for West Ham. Though. That could have been a good opportunity for them to to maybe get to a final if they would had a, a better draw. And who knows when you're in the final? I mean, you know, remember back to Aston Villa and they nearly got the better of City a couple of years back when they got there. Um, one team that doesn't have the whole distraction of European football, though, that, that, I say seem to be clicking into gear. I mean, they played poorly against Crystal Palace last week, but Arsenal were impressive, Alex, in in how they got past Aston Villa on Friday night. I know obviously Villa came back into it as as the kind of second half wore on a bit, but but Arsenal looked, you know, kind of quite frightening, I think, in in that first half. They looked really good where they were popping the ball around and, and they looked quite impressive. But I suppose the issue is with Arteta is that he'll get this performance and then we don't know what the next game's going to bring for them.
1: Yeah, precisely that. We've seen this from Arsenal before, really impressive and then they kind of tail off in the next fixture. Um, let's be honest, there is no doubt they were held by Aston Villa looking an absolute mess. Um, whatever happened in the final 10 minutes against Wolves the previous Saturday just just held on for Villa um, because Dean Smith set his side out again, and they didn't look like they really knew what they were doing. They've employed a free at the back this season, and it's not working for them. Um They've done it to slot Axel 2 and ZB in there and to kind of make light of Jack Grealish going by pairing Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings as a front two. It's not working for them. Um, so it'd be interesting if Dean Smith t- takes that back to so a back four at some point. Um, but Arsenal they did what they needed to do. They got the early goal. And when Arsenal get an early goal and their tails are up, they still know how to really go at teams and, and how to how to create chances and how to take their chances, as we saw with the winner of Spurs a couple of weeks ago. It was a similar story here. And this is Arsenal after, you know, after their god-awful start to the season where they lost the first three and were conceding goals. They haven't lost a league game since. Six league games unbeaten now. Um, They are level on points with Manchester United. They're level on points with Leicester City. Um, They're level on points with Everton side who have hit a little wall. And they're only a point behind Spurs now who are who are sixth and, and Brighton are fifth on the on the same points as well. So they they have turned things around and Arteta is is getting back to, to where we kind of thought they would do. I think the defence is looking more settled with Ben White and Gabrielle as a partnership. Um, and Thomas Party is now fit and that's making a, a big difference in midfield because he's an excellent footballer and, and if he's got runners around him and he gets energy around him, he can pick a pass and he can get them moving on their way. And He's so capable of shutting down opponents numerous times. He's done that in recent weeks. So, I, th- I think things are looking up for Arsenal. I don't want to be, you know, shouting from the rooftops that yes, they're back in this top four battle. That's obviously where they want to be. They need to keep building on these performances. Um, you know, six league games unbeaten, continue with that and, and see where it takes them.
2: Arsenal, or just quickly on Arsenal, I think they're just such a such a strange team because I think that whenever you had that North London derby win, and it's like right they've won won three games in a row, and I think right they've really got some momentum. Now. And then their performances against that, against Brighton and against Crystal Palace were were just so concerning. I mean, it, they were they were strange in, in a way because they the players just didn't seem didn't seem up for it. And remember they got they they Britann Palace and they took the early lead, and then. For large parts of that game, they were second best and then they were scrambling for a point and then they sort of bounce back against Aston Villa and, you know, get a, get a comfortable win. So it's really hard to see where where they're going. They're just such an inconsistent side of them. And I, I guess that's to be expected with so many new signings and, and whatever else, but I don't think they're really in it in the race for the top four this season. And Okay, I could be proven wrong in a couple of months, but I just don't think that there's that there's the consistency that's there, and from game to game, there's just there's just too much variation in performance, and I don't think there's a real steady sense of, it, of an upward shift just yet. But but let's let's look back in a month or two and see where they are.
0: Colin, just before we go this morning, we've uh, focused exclusively on the top half so far. But just looking at the bottom three especially, um, Norwich, I think we're all in agreement that they're probably written off and, and going back down to the championship
2: next Colin season. them <laughs> off long
0: ago. Long ago. <laughs> and they'll probably come back up after winning it again next year. Um, but Burnley and Newcastle are both still without wins so far this season. And as we're creeping towards November, that must be a concern for them in terms of yeah, there's there's already a little bit of a gap starting to form. You know, leads have seven. Uh, what was it? Leads have seven points, don't they? And and then you look down and you see the gaps. Yeah, that three points back to that bottom three already. Norwich, uh, you know, further back on on only two points. So there's the little gaps are starting to form there, and, and they might only be small and minute now, but in the heads of those players, it, it must be starting to build and starting to be concerning for them.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think last season as well, you had the the bottom three were, were cut adrift quite early. You had Sheffield United, West Brom, and Fulham, and I know Fulham had a bit a bit of a run around to the Christmas time onwards. But whenever you're cut off, you you feel that week in week out. You know the position you're in, and you're always sort of looking over your shoulders, as well, thinking well, we're we're in a relegation battle now, and your heads are always down, and you've always got that in the back of your mind, and. Yeah, I think for Norwich City, it's 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 probably it's probably too late already. I don't I don't know where their revival could come from. And even even with Newcastle, you've got the sort of the wave of euphoria off the field with, with with the takeover and with with everything else that's going on there. And you kind of think, what are they going to do in January? Because they could potentially be in a position where they will get relegated this season and that is going to play into the minds of players who could potentially be joining them even, even, even if they're thinking right we, we're going to Newcastle we know this is a long-term project but they, they're not going to want to be playing in the championship next season and again with Burnley Burnley are a little bit different because Burnley have always been a team who every year almost we sort of think in the first couple of months you know they're they're going to be in the mix at the bottom where they're going to get a run results from and they always end up doing a Sean Dage always end up doing that year after year and I would still have that that would that would be my that would be what I would think about Burnley. I think they could still get out of it. I don't think, you know, you sort of look at their performances and they're in every match. They're not getting beat five or six nil, you know, and they're competitive. So, it could just take one result to sort of lift them up. And yes, there are teams who still are not too far about the relegation and obviously Leeds have made a slow start, Southampton haven't made a great start either. So it could take one or two games for it to change around, but you don't want that situation to last more than a couple of weeks. You want it, you want to, you want to get that first win on the board and the longer it goes on, the longer that monkey's on your back, the more that will come in, come into the player's minds week after week. And it'll almost be like a self-perpetuating uh, self-appreciating issue so you really want to get that first win as soon as possible um and, and to get yourself out of it and yeah i think those three teams if they can avoid relegation this year would definitely definitely be a successful there's some huge huge games at the
1: bottom next week uh watford play southampton leeds go to norwich um burnley play a brentford team we probably do what are doing this season what burnley have done in previous years but do it better than them uh, so they're all playing one another and then newcastle are playing chelsea it could be a big week for for teams picking up more wins or more points, and kind of helping those. You're looking at Norwich, you're looking at Newcastle, in particular, they're kind of cutting them even further adrift. Um, as Colin says about Newcastle, wouldn't it just be remarkable if, after all this investment, all this money, they go and get relegated? Would 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 be uh, would be really something.
2: And their, man, their, their, their managerial search as well. I mean, like that—that's still something that outstanding. I hand. Obviously, Steve Bruce is gone, and Graham Jones is in—is in situ. But is he—is he, is he going to be there next week? Is he going to be there the week after that? Who's the guy that's going to come in? What sort of style is he going to implement? Is he going to be able to implement that with the group of players he already has? These are these are all huge, huge decisions that need to be taken as soon as possible and as much as this new ownership. Uh, has has a has an incredible amount of wealth at their disposal they don't seem to have any experience of making these decisions at this level of a football club so it's going to be really interesting to see how they play their hand and how they think they can turn this situation around because let, let's let be clear about this the, the current team the current squad that newcastle united have is relegation material and i know colin Wilson scored a scored an incredible goal at crystal palace on saturday and he will always give you a chance, but Newcastle should should not have got a point from that match. They were not, they were they were poor, and they were lucky. So let let's see let's see what what their board do in terms of turning the situation around. But there's a lot of big decisions to be made.
0: Alex, Colin, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time. As always, uh, of course, it looks set to be another busy week of, of talking points as well before we get to the next suppose, round of Premier it? League matches. We'll we'll move past them. I'm I'm done with them. I think uh, at this moment in time. I mean, the fact that you brought up the the North London derby again, you're lucky you got invited back on the show after Friday. I'm seeing how far I can push it. <laughs> um, but yeah it looks like to be another uh, busy week of talking points across the Premier League and of course Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's future is, is likely to dominate uh, most of the talking points and again you can keep across that across the Mirror, across the Star across the Express and all of Reach's regional titles too uh, but for now all that leaves me to say is goodbye